Can you interview like a pro? Do you want to do what you want? Do you want better money? Welcome to Dream Job Radio. This show's theme is how to interview like a pro. This is Daniel Laxton's. And this is Leah Laxton's. And this is the Dream Job Radio Show, presented by 30careers.com. Don't forget to check us out, dreamjobradio.tv, where you can see all of our upcoming episodes, leave questions and comments for our previous and future guests, and make suggestions on who you'd like to see on Dream Job Radio. Feel free to also tweet me at Daniel Laxton's. That's D-A-N-I-E-L-L-A-K-S-T-I-N-S. And you can also feel free to tweet Leah at Leah Laxton's. Well, today's show is How to Interview Like a Pro. Our special guest is Mary Greenwood. Now, Mary Greenwood is an attorney, she's a mediator, and she's an author of several award-winning books, such as How to Negotiate Like a Pro, 41 Rules for Resolving Disputes, which has won six awards. And also, How to Mediate Like a Pro, 42 Rules for Mediating Disputes, which has won 12 book awards. But her latest book, How to Interview Like a Pro, 43 Rules for Getting Your Next Job, is what she's going to be here to talk to us about today. Mary Greenwood has a bachelor's from New School for Social Research, a master's in English from the University of Southern California, a law degree from California Western School of Law, a labor law degree from George Washington Law School. Wow. At last count, she's had 25 jobs in which she had this book available at some of her interviews in the past. Now, Mary Greenwood lives in Orlando, Florida, which she and her Boston Terrier, Annabelle, are writing books together. <laughs> well, be sure to visit Mary's website to learn more about her. Uh, but Mary, we'd like to just say welcome to our show. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Well, we're excited to have you. I mean, we, we, we're getting you right at your retirement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, That's right. I retired yesterday and I'm interviewing today because one of my goals is to uh, market my books and write some more books. So here I am. That's fantastic. And there what, you go. what an excellent book, too, How to Negotiate Like a Pro, your, your latest one. Or How to Interview Like a Pro, right? Oh, is your the latest, latest one? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, hey, tell us more about this this new uh, one, How to ne- is it uh, to Negotiate. How to Interview Like a Pro. Okay. Right. Well, I'll tell you a little little bit of the background. My first book was How to Negotiate Like a Pro, and it was based on my union negotiations experience. And then I had sort of an aha moment that what you learn in negotiations, you really can apply union negotiations. You can apply to everyday life with your boss, with your spouse, you know, with a credit card company, your bank, et cetera. So that was the first one. And then when you can't uh, resolve something face-to-face, then you might want to go to mediation. So the second one was how to mediate like a pro, and it's some tips on mediation where you're the third-party facilitator between employees, between um, siblings, between children or, or whatever, or a, whether you're a professional mediator. And then the last one, how to interview like a pro, uh, 43 rules for getting your next job, might not intuitively seem like it's part of the series, but basically... When you're a candidate and you're applying for a job, that's a negotiation, and then hopefully you end up at the end negotiating the salary. So it's all part of the same series. That's excellent. And we know that your books have actually you've won, uh, is it um, six or actually even more, right? I think six book awards just for the first one and 12 for... Yeah, I got six 
Yeah, that's right. I got six book awards for how to negotiate like a pro, 12 for how to mediate like a pro, and then this latest one, um, 11. And actually last week wow. I, got, I was a finalist in the U.S. Uh, book news in the uh, career category. So that was good news. So, yeah, that's um, you feel sort of validated because you're there writing the books and you're it's a very sort of solitary thing. Mm-hmm. And you're not really sure whether they're any good or not. So to get that recognition really means a lot. Yeah, for certain. That's fantastic. So could you share some tips with us from the books, especially the last one, Interview Like a Pro, that maybe you wish that you'd had earlier in your career when doing interviews? Right. There's two or three things that I would advise anybody. Uh, number one is it seems so obvious, but you really need to know as much as you can about the company where you're interviewing. And I'm surprised when I do interviewing and you might ask a question like, what do you know about us? And then the person looks like a deer in the headlights, like they don't really know anything about the company. They don't know mm-hmm. anything about mm-hmm. the job except what they saw in the job description. And this doesn't really go over very well. <laughs> and you need yeah. to Google, Google the company find out some more about them, even go on to their own Internet website. I know one time when I had an interview, I had a copy of the organizational chart, and uh, I was discussing it, and the person looked at me and said, well, where'd you get that? (laughs) And I said, well, I printed it off the website. And they said, you did? They were really impressed that I had found that. So, you know, you can really get a leg up on other candidates if you've really done your research and you know a little bit about the company and even maybe about the job and try to find out why the predecessor left. You know, were they laid mm. off? Were they fired? Uh, did they retire? And then that'll give you more information on, you know, what the what the company's like. That'd be my number one tip. Another one is about discussing salary and how to negotiate salary. Everybody's always interested in that. Yeah, First of sure. all, try to delay the discussion of the salary as long as possible. If you go into an interview and you're sort of on the first or second question and then you pop up and say, well, what's the salary? What are the benefits? It really is bad form because it looks like you're much more interested in the money aspect of it rather than the job itself and what you're going to learn on the job and, you know, how you can apply your experience. It really looks like that's your number one concern. So hold off on that discussion as long as possible. And then hopefully they'll really want you, and then you get to that point where you are discussing salary. My advice is always to try to get them to make the first offer. I call this don't negotiate against yourself. For example, let's say you want to make $50,000. So they ask you, well, what's the least you'll take for this job? Or what do you want for this job? Well, whatever you say, you're never going to make more than that. So if you can say to them, kind of turn it back to them, well, what's the range? What are you offering? Can you make me an offer? Something like that. Let's say you wanted 50, and they say, well, the most we can offer you is 60. Well, you've just made $10,000 because if you had said what you wanted, or what you were willing to take, then you would have left money on the table. So mm-hmm. I always try Excellent. to get get it go back to the other side, and it usually works. The other thing is about salary. Never say yes right at that moment. It might be tempting. Let's say you want 50 and they offer you 60, and you're thinking, wow, this is great. I better accept this right away. Well, say I need to think about it tonight. I need to discuss it with my family. And... Give yourself that break where you can really analyze it. Also, with salary, you have to know 
what the fringe benefits are. How much do you have to pay in health insurance? What is the retirement amount that they're going to put in? What kind of retirement plan do you have? I know when I was younger, you don't really think of retirement, and you didn't really think of the health insurance. You're just thinking of the salary, but you have to look at the total picture. And although the salary might be something that is good for you, maybe the benefits aren't. Now, this is an economy where it's pretty hard to say no to a job, but you still need to know, you know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. So uh, those, those are some of the, I guess, the biggest tips um, off the top of my head. And, uh, and for, the rest, people... for, for the rest, they have to buy the book. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But those will get them started. <laughs> well, that's right. <laughs> I, I think that's fantastic. I was wondering, though, about, you know, you mentioned the economy the way it is. Uh, do you think that, you know, it's still, I, well, I guess you're saying that even despite the economy, still, still make them wait and go on and sleep on it then, right? Because is that just going to make, I guess, your position as the interviewee look stronger? I think so, because if they really want you for a position, and obviously they do if they've gotten to the point where they've interviewed a few people and now they're making you an offer, so it looks like Mm -hmm. you're the one they want, uh, usually they're willing to go a little bit higher. They're not going to give their maximum amount on the first time around. That's my experience. So often when you sleep on it, you might come back, even if you just ask for $1,000 more, $2,000 more, you know, that's something. And you might try to do, again, do your, do your homework, try to find out, especially if you're in the public sector, that's usually a uh, information that's readily available according to state law. Try to find out what does that job pay, you know, in the area, nationally, these other things. So you kind of know whether you're in the ballpark. And then it doesn't really hurt, as my mother would always say, um, they can always say no. They can't say anything worse than no. That's right. So you might as well ask for a little bit more. If it's 50, if they've offered you 50, say, well, you know, I was really hoping to get 60, but I'd be willing to split the difference. How about 55. Well, if they say no, then you can say, well, okay, or you can come back and say, well, how about 53 or 52? You know, and it really shows that you are a negotiator, that you're a player, and they're not going to just take the first offer. So usually they respect you for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in the end, if they say, you know, this is what our pay range is, we're pretty strict, you can only go 10% above that. And otherwise, we have to get permission from somebody else or whatever. Then you make that decision, but at least you feel like you did your best. You got as much as you could, and you might be surprised. They might say, sure, we'll give you that, or think of something else other than just straight salary. Can you help me pay my moving expenses? Sometimes they don't want to put it in the salary because it's part of your base, but you know, if you're moving a long distance, that's quite expensive. So either ask them to reimburse you for a certain amount or just to pay it up front. Can you pay 2500 for my moving expenses? Or uh, can you promise me that uh, you'll send me to a, a conference next year that I know that the national conference is being held in, you know, whatever place I'd really like to go. Can you commit to that? You know, think of something else maybe that costs money that would help you and it would make you feel better to take the job it might not be part of the base salary. So I think you have to be sort of ingenious or, you know, think of uh, different ways of uh, asking for things. And um, you'd be surprised. As my mother said, the worst they can do is say no. <laughs> That's right. You're listening to the Dream Job Radio Show. We're talking with Mary Greenwood. She's an attorney, a mediator, 
and she's an author. Her latest book is How to Interview Like a Pro, 43 Rules for Getting Your Next Job. So um, isn't it true, too, if, if you're negotiating this kind of money, it does also show that you have value or you, you feel you have value, and that's, which that's going to help a lot more in your relationship with that boss in the future anyways. Right. I totally agree. And the other thing is that if you're just starting out, whatever your base salary is, uh, that's really going to be the base for the rest of your career. And so if you can get a few more thousand dollars in the beginning, you're at the end of the time when you're retiring, you'll probably have a higher salary because everything is based on that. The, you know, the percentage of your retirement, the percentage of uh, other things. And so just getting a few thousand dollars uh, in the beginning it's going to really make a big difference when you get your first promotion or when you get a mm-hmm. even a cost of living increase. So when you think of it that way, it's like it's kind of like that compounding interest thing that we you know talk about a penny saved, a penny earned, and all that kind of stuff. So when you think of it that way, it's like wow, you know, just a one or two thousand dollars can make a difference over the space of my career. That's right. Absolutely. Well, you know, while we have you on, I wanted to ask you, Mary, you know, I know that your your first book was Negotiate Like a Pro. Um, and we we are notoriously bad negotiators, Daniel and I. Whenever we buy things, it seems like, especially cars, we end up paying more. <laughs> or, or no, if someone just, they say, uh, I, I want this much money for it, we just hand them the cash. Or, you know, we just hand them exactly what they <laughs> yeah, want. Yeah, so maybe you could give us a couple of tips off the top of your head from your, your okay. other book, The yeah, Negotiate. That's- <laughs> okay, that's a good one because uh, I did a little uh, piece on that one time when uh, I bought my car. Uh, I have a Ford Explorer a few years ago. I brought my son with me, and we kind of work. He's an attorney as well. We sort of orchestrated something. Conveniently, his wife was pregnant, so she had a certain role, and my son had a certain role, and then I was the you know the chief person. So at one point. She said, oh, I have to leave now. You know, let's get out of here or something. And then we said, oh, well, just wait a few minutes. We'll be finished with this in a minute. You know, so she had her role. Mm-hmm. And then whenever they came up with the money, um, my son had a certain script that he would say. So it, <laughs> so so have it, it we have it planned out for it, sure. Well, we, it, it, it worked out pretty well because what happened was I had a certain amount of money that I said I was willing to spend. And you know how they bring out these contracts for you, and then they bring in the other person that talks the money? Yes. And so we said, we really don't want to talk to him. We want to talk to the salesman because we were trying to not be sort of played one against the other. And then we just had him go back to whoever makes these decisions. You know, they put you in a room, and then they say, well, we'll take this back. Mm-hmm. So we said, well, this is the amount that we want to spend, and we don't really care what you call it, because they had all these other little fees, and we really uh, asked them good questions, like, well, what exactly is this fee for? Because they look pretty ridiculous, some of them. And it's like, we don't care what this fee is. We just want the total amount to be this amount. And you can call it whatever you want, but the bottom line should be this. And then finally, it happened, we kind of lucked out that at the end of the month, they always want to sell a lot of cars because they're doing these reports. So that's mm-hmm. a good time to actually buy one because they're often willing to make a few concessions because they want to get a sale. They'd rather get the sale on October 31st than on November 1st. <laughs> so they'll right. kind of give you a few extra things. But I think people get exhausted when they're negotiating and they really won't keep going at it. But we just said, no, that we, we won't accept that. Now, 
you know, the little person inside you said, wow, this is pretty good. Maybe we should take this. Maybe they're not going to go for more. But we kept on coming back. And because there were the three of us, we all had planned ahead of time that we would never give in until they got to this certain amount. And they went back, and we were, like, shaving $100 here, $100 there. But finally, we got what we wanted. But I think it was persistence, and I think persistence is um, a big part of it. And you have to just, despite your best instincts, just keep going, even though it's like, well, I don't know. I don't think they're going to go for this. But, again, the worst they can do is say no, and they're wanting the sale. And they're going to make a lot of money anyway, probably. Yeah, that's that's (laughs) right. So have a game plan uh, prior to, know what your price is going to be, and um, then, you know, don't give in until, I guess, they get to that price to sort of summarize Yeah, well, it's easier to stick it to them than... uh... Than someone that you meet off the street. It's true. It's right. true. Because that's where we have problems. Is usually if we're dealing with someone, you know, a person to person, you're buying mm-hmm. you're buying something. Um, I don't want to say off Craigslist or something like that. Right. And and try to negotiate with with someone that looks like your neighbor and <laughs> yeah, you're just feeling you're guilty. like just take them yeah. yeah. yard sales. Them yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yard sales. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But definitely, you know, we've had our uh, a share of unsuccess at, at the car lots too, and I I think that's great advice. And uh, also, you know, one one mistake that we made once was um, we let them take our trade in, but then before we had finished the paperwork on our car, and then we got stuck mm-hmm. there for like eight hours. Well, they did that know? on purpose, right? They, they Right. Made us, so that's, that's what I would eat. say, you know, another good tip for people um, is to definitely, you know, even leave, even say, oh, I'm not interested, right. I'm going to leave and come right. back. We right. were prepared We were prepared to do that, and I think they knew that, yeah. that at some point you just say, and that was kind of the role of, the, of my daughter-in-law, the pregnant woman, because it's like, uh, I'm not feeling too well, and we really need to get home, I don't, you know, the the message was, I don't really care about buying this car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's get out of here. Car, so then that kind of yeah. gave them uh, the hint that you better get this done fast. <laughs> yeah. But so, everybody yeah. loves a bargain. And I think that when you are um, you know, trying to get a bargain, just kind of like when you go into a store, if you see like a, the sample or the model and say, you know, maybe there's a little bit of damage on it. So maybe you're willing to take the floor model, but get a deal on it. Well, you know, I'm willing to take the floor model because you'd be observant. Well, I've noticed there's some damage here. So, you know, what, what can you sell me? You know, what can you uh, give me for it? I mean, what can, what can I give you for it and give your price? Uh, even try to think like sometimes you see lawn people coming around, you know, at your neighbor's place and you say, Hey, now that you're already here, how much would it cost to do my lawn? Because you don't have the expense of coming, you know, and you could just do it in an hour or two. Mm-hmm. And, you know, look for opportunities where maybe uh, you can save some money and it's to both people's benefit because if the guy, you know, already has another job, he can get a few extra bucks without much extra effort uh, because you're right next door. Uh, things like that. You have to almost be extra vigilant and observant to try to, you know, look for a deal or come up with some good ideas on how maybe you can save money and, again, sort of come up with something a little bit uh, creative. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. It seems like maybe an overlying theme in all of this is that taking emotion out of it. Would you say in in negotiation, whether it's an interview or, or something business-related, sort of detaching yourself from the situation, is that, that is important? Exact, 
Yes, that's exactly right. That's actually the number one rule in, in my first two books, that you cannot negotiate when you're upset or angry. And often, say, in union negotiations, both sides are uh, emotional, and it just never works. And if you've ever negotiated, you know, with a best friend or a spouse or something when you're mad, you know that never works. So, yes, you have to be neutral. And when you see somebody that's just uh, apoplectic, they're so mad, you know they're not negotiating. They're just having a rant, and mm -hmm. that doesn't really get anywhere. So, yes, you have to be detached. And also being right, one of the... Um, one of my sort of favorite rules is that you don't have to be right to settle. And a lot of people want to be right rather than really negotiating. And um, one of the things I say is that there's three words that we like to hear even more than I love you. And that is you are right. And hmm. the fourth word would be you are absolutely right. So sometimes, you know, when you're having an argument or you're trying to discuss something of, a, of sort of an emotional nature and then you just say, you know, you're right. Or, you know, you're, oh, you're absolutely right. Then you kind of go on and you really deflect the other person because it's like, oh, <laughs> I don't have anything to fight about. And then they're sort of in the mood to try to, you know, negotiate whatever you're trying to uh, negotiate. But, yeah, that emotional component can be a real killer. And if you have that emotional or if you're mad about something, it's better just to sleep on it and try the next day. Well, Mary, Especially if that's a personal nature. Man, that's some excellent advice, and I think you're absolutely right about what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, where can people find more about you and your books and uh, how they can, you know, maybe uh, okay. benefit from that? Well, I have a, I have a website. It's uh, org, and I also have um, – it's, it's also on how to interview like a pro.org and how to interview like a pro com all go into the same website. Most of my sales are on Amazon and um, Kindle, and mm -hmm. it's also available at Barnes and Noble. And if, if you Google it, you know, or even if you go on Amazon, you'll see there's many other places. But uh, mo as I said, most of my sales are on Amazon, and That's about half of the sales are on Kindle. So people are buying wow. it as an ebook. Isn't that amazing how much that's taken off? That's oh, fantastic. It, it makes it so much more convenient. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we thank you so much for taking time out to talk to us today about interviewing like a pro and also even negotiating like a pro. And we definitely encourage people to reach out to you and take a look at those books at marygreenwood.org. I just said I really enjoyed this. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're listening to the Dream Job Radio Show. Our special guest today has been Mary Greenwood. Uh, she's an attorney, a mediator. She's an author of several award-winning books, uh, her latest being How to Interview Like a Pro, 43 Rules for Getting Your Next Job. So we thank you so much for coming on the show, Mary. Thank you. Mary certainly is a sweetheart. Yeah, that was so nice of her to take time out after her retirement party to spend with us. Yeah. Of course, I don't know if I'd want to sell her one of our cars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> She'd definitely get the best of us. Well, hey, who's on for next week? Well, next week we have another attorney. It's Jessica Silverstein. Jessica Silverstein. Hey, sounds like a, a great show. Yeah, she's going to discuss, does your resume rise to the bar? Well, be sure to check us out on our next podcast. Until then, this is Daniel Laxton's. And this is Leah Laxton's. And this was the Dream Job Radio Show. Do you want to do what you want? Do you want better money? Welcome to Dream Job Radio.